Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a Friday afternoon. That means the Reardon Roundtable, the panel, is assembled. They've been in the green room for a few minutes enjoying some Christmas desserts and um, vodka-laced shots, I think. I don't know. We just Donna's, like, very confused. We, we try to create the illusion of intoxication. Mainly because when Jane talks, people think that that's what's going on. <laughs> Jane, how are you this afternoon, Jane Duker? It's awesome. It's Friday, baby. <laughs> it is Friday. That is Donna Berenger, state representative, also on the panel with us this afternoon. Donna, Merry Christmas. How are you? Thank you. Look I'll be very... on Candy Cane Lane this, this evening. Will you? Mm, you yes, look very nice. So I'm guessing there was an event. Uh, Greg Keller is here, who always looks nice. I mean, the hair, the hair and Greg are here at the same time. Republican consultant. Keller, how are you? Uh, excited to be in St. Louis, downtown St. Louis. Didn't hear any gunshots on the way down here today, which is good. That's All right, Sue, you're going to take a shot? Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me let me start with a programming. Uh, maybe this can be a programming announcement. And Keller and Donna, you're here today, so you're going to have to, if this happens, you may want to get in on this. But I'm going to ask this question to Jane Duker, all yes. right? And Jane, this is such an obvious question, right? But I'm going to ask you right now, live on the air. Yes. Where will we be doing the Reardon Roundtable on Friday, October 25th, 2024? Oh, I can't even believe you're stumped on this. If you if you don't answer this question properly, Jane, October? think through this. October 25th, Friday, October 25th, 2024. Where's your new home? Where's your new second home? What state? In Alabama. Yeah. Where is Mizzou playing on oh, October 26th? That's why I said, I said Mizzou. Yeah, but they're playing At in Alabama. Tuscaloosa. I already have a hotel room. Well. The round table, don't <laughs> you, you have think? To have it. Don't you think it benefit? Can you get a few extra? Because don't you think we should be doing the round table there on Absolutely. Friday, October 25th? And I'm telling you, thank you. Get a hotel room now because we already had yeah. to get ours. Well, we might be in trouble there. No, I have some secrets on where you can go because literally, once the schedule comes out within 24 no, hours, no, no, I know. All of the the uh, hotel rooms are, are you know in nearby Tuscaloosa are gone, so we're. I mean, I'm so excited because we've got Mizzou and um, uh, Alabama, and then we have um, Oklahoma. My brother-in-law is a Sooner. Yeah. So we're going to do extravaganzas for the Mizzou game and the Oklahoma well, game. Well, and just because we didn't make it very clear, we've talked about this in you know, weeks past. But Jane's daughter goes to Alabama. She actually works in the athletic department. She so does. you've been going down for for games, and we were just a couple of weeks ago talking about how if Mizzou plays down there next year, we got to go to the game. So. I we think have we should to. do the roundtable. It probably won't happen, but I thought we could dream a little here. But this can afternoon. I broadcast from when I'm down in Tuscaloosa? I'll give sure. you. I'll if, give you updates. If we don't have the roundtable.
there, you can be on site as our reporter. Absolutely. Greg Keller, we are moving forward with an inquiry of um, impeachment for Joe Biden. And the the left still seems to think that there's nothing here to see. Now, I've said this multiple times. I think what the IRS whistleblowers have said in particular is very fascinating. And I haven't heard anyone really rebut it. I don't think we know all the details of Leslie Wolf and her testimony yesterday. But there's certainly enough information to move forward with some questions and more investigation of this president. But in the end, will it matter because of the numbers in the House and the Senate, et cetera? A couple of interesting things that came out this week. Number one, Hunter Biden was given a subpoena to testify in front of Congress. He didn't show up for uh, for his subpoena, flouting the law. Interestingly, he did tell uh, the press or rather the White House press secretary said that Hunter did talk to his father. The president of the United States did tell his father that he was not going to abide by the congressional subpoena told the president that the president apparently told him nothing about it, didn't tell him not to, hey, maybe you should, you know, abide by a congressional subpoena. So you have a president of the United States being just fine with his son, who happens to be a crackhead, by the way, um, not 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 adhering to 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 a congressional subpoena. What's another thing that I think is interesting is that, I mean, Biden lied, right? Like he said repeatedly on the campaign trail. I didn't know anything about my my son's business dealings. Those were all lies. now there's some nuance to that because he's they're saying financial business dealings, right? Well, that's not what he said. Well, I that's know. Not what he said no, on the I campaign know. There's trail. What he said on the campaign trail was, "I have nothing to do with this. I know nothing about it. I did not meet with any of these people. All of that turned out to be lies." So yeah, I think they're probably going to look into this when the president of the United States just lies blatantly. So. Well, what's interesting though is Hunter Biden said, "I'm happy to do a deposition, but I want to do it in public. I don't want to mm-hmm. do it in secret." But you're a lawyer, Jane. You know how this works, right? Yeah. They, they do depositions and then they get to the public testimony. So why can't you do both like everyone else? I mean, he wants to do it in public. I mean, maybe well, because he, wants he to... knows that that won't happen without the depositions. And by the way, if that's his only offer, I think Republicans should seize on that. I, I think this is gamesmanship at this point. But it's it's just embarrassing. And look, if you can't see the double standards between you know Peter Navarro and some of the others that got crucified over January 6th and what's happened here. I just happen to How think that... How many Republicans refused to, to answer subpoenas and come to testify? Pretty many of them. Yeah, yeah and what many. happened to them? There were consequences. Yeah, they, well, Navarro I mean, was handcuffed, right? Mm-hmm. So my, my question then is, so what should happen with Hunter Biden? Are we just going to give him a complete pass? Because that's what he's asking for, and that's what the Democrats think should happen. I don't think that's what he's asking for. I think the reason he publicly stood on those steps and spoke is because as, up to now, it's all been behind closed doors, and so things have leaked his family has been, people are calling him, you know, a crackhead or saying things about him. And he wanted to be able to publicly address what is being said about him. And that's why he did that. Now, I can't say that I was a part of a private conversation between the president and his son. So you can say maybe that, you know, the president might have known, but you're not going to know that they had a conversation for sure and what that conversation was. The White House press secretary said yesterday that, yes, the president spoke with Hunter Biden. Hunter told him he was going to defy this congressional subpoena. Did the president tell, try to dissuade him from doing that? And KJP, the White House press secretary, offered no response whatsoever. So he knew his son was going to flout the law. He did nothing about it. He's the president of the United States. It's ridiculous. It's shameful. Meantime, the uh, the president, obviously, it, what's funny, one of the things that's funny about this is that the Democrats, Greg, are trying to make this seem like this is just political to go after Joe Biden for impeachment because he everything else in his world is going so well, like his poll numbers are so rosy in every other area of the administration. So here's even David Axelrod, who's been, you know, leaning pretty heavy into this president to say, look, you're too old and you probably shouldn't run. The Wall Street Journal poll was you know, very, very dark in terms from a Biden standpoint, uh, you know, job approval down, 
ratings generally down. Most of the comparatives with Trump, not good. What I worry about you guys from a Biden standpoint is um, these are the kind of things you get when people are starting to rationalize their votes. So what would you say to where we are? I mean, obviously, there's still a lot of time. And I hear people defending the president, Jane and Donna, saying, and look, we, we got to be honest, the polling sometimes is wrong. And there's a lot that can happen between now yeah. and mm-hmm. next year. But it is interesting because you got guys like Axelrod and Carville who are pretty vocal here about how horrible the polling numbers are. And when you look state by state, and I'm talking about the states that matter and, and would get you elected mm-hmm. with the proper electoral votes, there's big problems. I mean, these aren't even just one, you know, point, two point margins. He, he's losing by significant numbers to a guy that's been indicted 100 times. Well, I mean, I, Obama's numbers were that bad as well. And then he he totally shellacked the Republicans. So I'm not were they this really bad? concerned. Yeah, they were. In, Obamacare. Come on. They well, were they were bad. He, yeah, and he was never down eight points in Pennsylvania. Uh, I mean, he he was they, everyone said he was unelectable. I remember the same conversations. So, again, I think it's I don't think people are focused. I do think that there is complete. I mean, people don't want Biden versus Trump, but that's what we're going to get. And people are going right. to have to make a choice between the two. And it's a choice people don't want to have. They don't want Trump any more than they want. They, they don't want Biden. So, I mean, but, you know, that's the way the system works. And. I just think it's a little disingenuous of Axelrod because, one, you know, Obama, I mean, a lot of people struggled in their elections because of Obama. And now he's going to come out and get sanctimonious about, you know, what Democrats should do. And I just think that's a little disingenuous. And I also think that when the choice is stark, clear, and it's clear that it's going to be Biden versus Trump, I think I think the same will get the same result. And the Nasdaq, I think, is as high as it's been this week in a very long time. So if you're trying to look at the economy— that's one way thing you can say is it's doing better. But the one thing that isn't, and I, and I think this might be the reason why, is food prices are going up. And food prices are going up because Ukraine supplied all the grain for Eastern Europe. So we're now going to have to ship out more grain to get to people so they can actually make bread. But the other problem we're having here just in Missouri is the rivers, they're so low, we can't get the grains moved down the river. So that's what's part of what's driving up prices for us on the food in Missouri. You know, the economy, Greg uh, Keller, Donna Berenger, state rep, and Jane Duker on the panel. Greg, the economy is so interesting to me just from the standpoint that I guess it was maybe eight or nine months ago, I think economists started backing off on recession talk. And I don't think at this point it looks like we're heading toward a recession. The inflation numbers have come down. They're still high. Food prices high. Gas prices down. The Dow has been on fire this week. So there are things, and, and this is where I kind of warned a few months ago, where, yeah, you look at the economy now, and are things baked by next summer? Probably. I don't know if you're going to have a lot of movement between September and November. But there is a chance. I don't think Bidenomics is working because still the polling shows people are hurting. But the economy is not quite as bad as I think people were predicting. I think the most important economic number out there today is $4,000, because that's the amount of money that your average American household is out during the Biden years versus the Trump years. Uh, Trump gave us an unprecedented economic boom, probably the greatest economy this country's ever known. Record low black unemployment, record low Hispanic unemployment. And to the earlier point about Barack Obama, like, yeah, but Barack Obama was a preternaturally talented political figure. Joe Biden's brain is. I don't remember you Joe, saying that at Joe the time. Joe Biden's. <laughs> he held, he I held it back. When I, I said that. he's a communist, but I would have conceded at the time that he was a very, a very a talented politician. politician. Right. right. Um, 
Joe Biden's brain is mush. Joe Biden cannot put three consecutive sentences together. Joe Biden literally cannot walk 100 yards looking like a normal human being. So the idea that one of the greatest politicians in American history, Barack Obama, who was a communist, the fact that he is somehow similar to Joe Biden, who can't string three sentences together, and that Joe Biden is great political force, has the political wherewithal to save himself— I think yeah. doesn't. I, I think there's something to that from this perspective because I remind people of this all the time. There's really smart people in the audience listening right now. Everybody's listening. They're dialed in. They care about this stuff. They're following it. But a lot of people that aren't, they're seeing what Greg is describing, and th- and they know what they're seeing, and they're absorbing it. And these are middle of the road voters and even mm-hmm. Democrats who are saying, "Oh my God, look at this guy." Now they don't like the other guy either. I get that. But yeah, he got is- up and said he couldn't confirm whether he would try to be a dictator or not. Yeah. So, yeah, because so he's Jane. a real winner. I it mean, was just on the first a, day. Can he not a be a joke. dictator for just a few hours? Right. Well, Good he Lord. could not confirm. Give the former president some leeway. Hang in there. It's a rear ground table for a Friday afternoon. We're rolling here. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. This will be my final roundtable of the year because I'm off next Friday. We're going to take a break the final Friday. And we have Jane Duker on the panel, State Rep Donna Berenger, Greg Keller, Republican consultant, founder of Atlas Strategy group we have many more topics to discuss but i want to play a little audio here from chris cuomo of all people who now is on news nation i had o'reilly on the show yesterday and bill mixes it up with uh, with chris cuomo after he got axed at cnn but he has been able to see the video of the hamas attack and i i think this is fascinating when he describes what he saw here and it's graphic so a little bit of a content warning merely murdering innocence was the least of it Of course you see that, and you can see that anywhere in the world these days. People pointing weapons, shooting the innocent, shooting people running away, people scared out of their minds about what's happening. This was not death from above. It was death in your face, hands-on and personal. They enjoyed mutilating and went back and celebrated in the streets with heads and bloody corpses as trophies. 
So I think that everyone should be able to see that and, and make the decision I, whether I they want to watch it. Unfortunately, it's been restricted, and that's you know that's the film that was edited in Gal Gadot is going to show to people in Hollywood. I don't know if Claudine Gay at Harvard has seen that particular video that was edited, but everyone's very consistent. Anyone who sees it, they don't come out with a different story about right. what happened. You know, they all correct. are on the same page with the horrors, and they're on the same page with the celebration aspect of it, which is why. It's just so horrifying to many of us that there are these protests in favor of terrorists across the country, which, Jane, really have not died down. We had one this week in L.A. that shut down traffic for three hours. There were kids on a school bus. That's not making any progress. Now, the story today is the IDF is admitting that they have accidentally killed some hostages in this conflict. So Mm -hmm. the Biden administration this week warned Israel, apparently, that, you know, they they better be careful because of some of the things that are happening, that the world is is maybe— having a different reaction. I don't know where this takes us, but obviously there's a lot of sensitivity to the current situation right now. Yeah. The one thing that I thought that was very insightful, and I retweeted it, Chris Cuomo, because I listened to the whole thing, because I am curious as to what people who actually see the footage think, because I think that is life changing. I think it's I think I think it would anybody who watched it would probably come to the same conclusion. But what he said is it is it triggered him as to what 9-11 was like, where terrorists come and try to go to your actual identity as a country or as a race or as a religion. And what they did is they intentionally went in to Israel and went after the Jews for who they are. And it was very—we were attacked because of who we are. And how Americans could not sympathize with that is really scary to me. And um, I well, did. I give you credit in particular, believe it or not. I hate to do that. I hate to give Jane credit. But, you know, <laughs> okay. when we were talking about this three weeks ago, you, you starkly put this, and I agree with you, that this this was an attack on Western civilization. It is at, this yeah. is what this is about. Right, exactly. And and to think that that, that people are, are, are denying that. And, and there was a – I'll have to send you the article. But there was a professor, and he, he commissioned a survey of college students about the whole Israel-Palestinian um, conflict. And – what, basically what it showed is that these college people who start off saying I'm 1000 percent with the Palestinians and Israel's terrible. Once they actually found out the facts, mm-hmm. they all changed their opinion. And what I'm afraid of is this has become a fad and we have a, a generation of people who are who are willfully ignorant about the Absolutely. situation. And they are and they're, you know, participating in this without they don't even know which river in which sea. Yeah. And that is so aggravating to me. And I, I can't even imagine, you know, what our Jewish community is feeling and how scared they must mm-hmm. feel to say, I'm, I'm an open target now, no matter where I go. People are sitting in restaurants and they're a- attacking people in restaurants. Mm-hmm. And they're I mean, there's nowhere that isn't sacred. And so I, I don't understand how it is. It's this is an attack on America. And if you don't believe that you are delusional. I think it's also our problem that we haven't made it very clear that we must have history courses in high school. Clearly so education cl- is... Yes, that we have to explain to these kids, this is what happened in World War II. This is what happened in 9-11. And do it not in a way of, it's not about, you know, are you for or against it? It's about this is what happened. These are the facts. You must Greg, know should facts. we should we tell Donna what's been happening in American schools and what's led to this? Some of us have been warning about academia and the problems of indoctrination for years. And there is great concern because I, I get so sad thinking that there are so many people that don't care about this country. They don't love this country. And and that's on full display here on these college campuses with presidents of Harvard, Ivy League institutions 
horrifyingly not being able to say what is right and what is wrong in the context of uh, free speech. And then you have SNL. And, and I, I try not to watch it, but I'm in Las Vegas last weekend, and we, uh, we had been at a party, and it was early out in Vegas. You know, the, the first feed comes on a lot earlier. So we throw on the cold open. Did anyone see it? Did anyone yes, see what they I did? I did. I watched it. It was terrible. I mean, this was a—and I, I, I'll tell you what. There have been some lows for SNL, but going after Elise Stefanik, and I don't care if it was her or anybody else, but the way that she asked the questions of the Ivy League presidents was absolutely appropriate. Gave her— Gave them off-ramp after off-ramp to say, you know, you don't really mean that there's no difference between saying we call for the genocide of African-Americans and we call for the genocide of of Jews. Those are the same things, but they wouldn't take the off-ramp. And SNL and someone in a writer's room decides that this is funny in this way. Now, I'm going to start screaming questions at these women like I'm Billy Eichner. (laughs) Anti-Semitism, yay or nay? I'm sorry, what? Yes, I know. It's calling for the genocide of Jews against the code of it, It's not even worth playing because it's not funny at all. It was embarrassing, and it was just horrible the it way that that was. It wasn't edgy. I'm all for if you want to push the envelope and try to, you know— Make um, you know, try to make light of political humor. Jane, but, the but humor, the beyond. humor there is obvious. You know what the humor is? You go into the writers' room and you say, "This idiot from MIT and Penn and Harvard made fools of themselves answering simple questions." That's who we mock. In a fair world, they would be mocked. Okay. Oh no! But absolutely. in an SNL world, in a progressive world, in a world where they hate this country, the writers of SNL, that's what we get. And that should be a lesson, Keller, to the rest of this country because nobody, who's calling that thing out on SNL? Fox. Who else? Who else has even oh, talked about I've that this week? I've seen a lot week? of people Have you seen a column off. in the New York Times about it? No. In the Washington Post? No. In the St. Louis Post-Dispatch? No. no. And nope. only the only saving grace is nobody watches the damn freaking show anymore, so they didn't see it. It's not funny at all. SNL probably hasn't been funnier for 20 years or so. I think the larger problem here is that People, Jew haters now constitute a significant part of the Democrat Party's political coalition. And you see this on college campuses. Democrats run all of our college campuses. There are a ton of Jew haters on college campuses. Democrats run all of our cities. That's where you see all these protests, Jews getting beat up, uh, Jewish businesses being vandalized and the like. There are way too many Jew haters in the Democrat Party. It is now a significant part of their political coalition. And I'm afraid that, that, that the chickens have come home to roost and a lot of us said that 20 years ago when they started playing footsie with this kind of radical ideology that the Democrat Party was playing with fire, unfortunately, we turned out to be correct. Democrat Party needs to do something about the Jew haters that make up far too large a portion of their political party. Well, the thing that upsets me as a Democrat is that, you know, the Jewish people have been a very reliable liberal vote, have supported um, liberal causes. And as soon as, you know, they need an ounce of help, um, you know, Democrats turn on them. And, and I just— I just it's it is astounding. I'm not proud of the fact that this is happening in my party. And, and can, can we talk about Cory Bush and Iron Dome for a moment right now? Like, how on earth do you say we are not going to help fund Iron Dome, which is just a just a, a, a defensive strategic piece of national security that Israel needs? It is strictly defensive. If you vote against funding for something like that, I'm sorry, your goal is for is to have more dead Jewish. Well, of people. course, she, well, she wants to defund the police and the military. She's made that very clear. Well, she and- voted today. To not to not fund the Pentagon. Right. So, yeah. I mean, there's nothing new on that. And yeah. I mean, and it's no, I, I mean, I can't say that I am not as frustrated as other people are that we have a radical left wing that is really being harmful. You know, when John Fetterman becomes like mm-hmm. a standard bearer, I'm like, you know, he I mean, 
But you know what? You I, know, it's I funny. Really a lot of people have come his... around. A lot of the right people on the yeah. right have come around on John Fetterman from the standpoint that he is he's saying some of the right things and things that other Democrats are unwilling to say. Well, but no, there are a lot of Democrats that feel his way. And we're a lot of us are being drowned out. But I'm sitting here going, this guy is like, look, we have to start talking about the border. Look, we, you know, we, the anti-Semitism needs to stop. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's for him. It's well, he's not a Pennsylvania even a Democrat. Call. He's not a New Yorker, or California. Yeah, you don't right. see the Michigan Democrats <laughs> right. saying that, right. or the California ones. <laughs> yeah. Let's but, um, let's shift into some local topics here. We got a bunch to go to in um, the next segment as well. Uh, Jane Duker on the panel. Donna Berenger, State Rep. Greg Keller, who is a Republican consultant, the founder of Atlas Strategy Group. Jane, I want to start with you on Gabe Gore. It seems like Mr. Uh, Gore, and this may may have come out a little bit a week before. I was off last Friday. I want to talk about him running for re-election. I think we're going to get him in the studio next week. We okay. weren't sure when he was appointed to replace Kim Gardner whether he would be the placeholder in that office to right. kind of get things back in shape, which I think he's been effective in, or if he would run or both. And it seems now he's committed to, to running. running. Thank goodness. And I think that's mm-hmm. a good thing. Now, the danger is there, and you got to tell me, you guys know the you know the landscape here, is there still would be an opportunity for a progressive or somebody like Kim Gardner to say, look, you know, this is about social justice. This is, you know, the constituents of St. Louis elected Kim Gardner. We're going to try this route again. I hope Mm-mm. not. No, I mean, no not Donna, what you say, no, that's not going to happen. I oh, hope not. I have been at every single neighborhood meeting that Gabe Gore has gone to to speak to people. A lot of support. And he gets a standing ovation. Good. Standing yeah. ovation. There isn't anyone I've talked to in the city of St. Louis, and I don't care what part you live in, that hasn't said, I see the difference, I feel the difference. Now, the question's going to be, because he's actually prosecuting, now we're going to have nowhere to put them. Well, the jail's a mess. The jail is an unmitigated disaster. We have people who who have committed their first misdemeanor being locked up with murderers over in the center over here. But we have a workhouse that's sitting empty. And I never said I I was for against opening or closing it, but we are almost there. We're no, it's not at a tipping going to have point. any place to put any of the work he's doing. He's doing very good work. He's getting bad people off the street. But so are there what? discussions at all on high levels with, hey, maybe, we, uh, come on, where's Tashara on this? Oh, I think Tashara's going to have no choice but to support Gabe Gore. So I think that's going to be interesting. I do. I think she's probably in a corner. And so, you know, what it says is state control of the prosecutor's office worked. And now we need state control of the police because, you know, this is that the only thing that's working in the city is the prosecutor's office that was appointed by the governor. And, and Gabe Gore was in the news this week because he countermanded a, a policy that that Gardner had put in place. The stupid list. She had decided that five oh, percent of the St. Louis City police, she was not going to allow right? to have cases brought have, before. Have places Correct. at trial. Or or testify mm-hmm. against criminals. Mm-hmm. Gabe yep. Gore said, uh, "Yeah, that's crazy. We're going to rescind that." Some of the, at some level, this stuff really isn't that complicated. Like it if you're never gonna, was complicated. If you're going to trust your cops to be cops, maybe you could trust them to testify at trial. Right. Like this is this is like a new concept. Well, like, the police department does an investigation, but you know Kim Gardner didn't believe that. Mm-hmm. She wanted to do her own, and so she would either never investigate or she just put them on a list. And so then, yes, we had five percent who could not issue cases. Which but, is by the way, insane. where is she these days? I mean, we should get her in the roundtable. Uh, lineup don't you think mix it up with kim i mean no one is really yeah i know is she a nurse has anyone even seen her well no she writing a book or something i don't know but i mean Uh, she's spending all of her time being prosecutor you know pursuing another degree so that's kind of sad but i will say that that you know the the only bright spot we have is we have someone who's been you know picked by the governor to come in and it shouldn't stop there the jail's a disaster mm-hmm. okay i don't care what side of the aisle you're on that it shouldn't be a death sentence to go to cjc it just shouldn't be and it is and i listened to the public safety director who's a fireman and i love firemen 
But a fireman has no idea whether the jail is being run properly. Who's the current public safety director? Uh, Charles Coyle. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he's a firefighter, which is great. That's fine. But he has no expertise whatsoever Mm -mm. on whether the jail is being properly run. And I heard him at this hearing. What is the strategy there to fix this? What what needs to happen? I mean, this this has to come from the top, and it's not coming from the top. Well, first of all, it's too crowded. First of all, get that commissioner. Everybody agrees she has to go. She has to go. She's incompetent. Okay? So, and they don't let, you know, somebody. And and what's the process for that? Could she be fired? (laughs) Well, the mayor has to get rid of her. It's right, but simple. the mayor can fire her? The mayor yes, can. absolutely. The, She's an appointee. The liberal progressive aldermen have had it. They're like, how They're many even more done. people have to die over there before you right. finally do something? And he came and testified and said, nothing to see here. They died of natural causes. Yes. And, um, you know, just move on. Yeah. And I'm, I just, I don't know how anyone could ever accept that as being okay. Mm-hmm. Hang tight. We have one more segment to go. By the way, Rudy Giuliani has just been ordered to pay more than $148 million for false accusations against election workers. He just had a little uh, media roundup availability. We'll see if we can turn that audio around. We're back with more on 97.1 FM Talk. It's the Reardon Roundtable for a Friday afternoon. Afternoon. Don't need a lot of a little smithereens Christmas music here on the Reardon Roundtable. Greg Keller, Republican consultant on the panel, State Rep Donna Berenger, and our good friend Jane Duker, who's going to hang out in the next hour as well. I never got to really compliment you, which I don't like to compliment you, but because I was gone last week, we had such a great time two weeks ago at the Brian Kilmeade event, and so many people, the throngs of crowds in Eureka, were wanting, they wanted to meet two people. Mainly Sue, okay? Yeah. But Jane came in, I think, a close second there that night. It was. Very I, and I was not among my people. And no. I was like, <laughs> and I was like, and everybody was really nice, and they're like, it's great to meet you, and we don't agree with See? you on everything, but you're pretty good. So, yeah. Uh, that, no, yeah. yeah, no one threw, like, food at me. It was, that is our it was, audience. It was very good. We had a great time that nice. night. I mean, that, Jane, that was that was an unbelievable night. The it room was, was really awesome. And, yeah. Um, even, with Sean Fla- even with Sean Flower being there, it was a good I night. Know. I know, right? I mean, and we like him. Now, don't. Tell him that, though, because his head will get bigger. Hey, here's the breaking story. I just looked up in the last break as we were wrapping up in, um, you know, what America's mayor. Wasn't he America's mayor? Rudy Giuliani was on the screen. A jury has now ordered uh, Rudy Giuliani to pay $148 million for falsely accusing two Georgia election workers of rigging the 2020 presidential contest. This was a verdict in favor of a woman named Ruby Freeman and her daughter, Shea Moss, um, and he was ordered to pay each woman more than $36 million in compensatory damages as well as another 75 in punitive damages, uh, an amount his lawyer told jurors earlier this week would be the end of Mr. Giuliani. Giuliani earlier said in court filings that he was in financial trouble. He is in financial trouble, so I don't know where you know the money's going to come from here. Um, Greg, I, I don't know what happened to Rudy Giuliani. To me, he comes off as unhinged and crazy. I'm not a big the election was stolen guy. I, I understand that there was fraud. But I get exhausted by the election was stolen, and I think what's happening here is the chickens are coming home to roost for Rudy Giuliani a little bit here. I think you're exactly right. And talk about, I mean, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. I mean, let's mm-hmm. can you imagine a politician who has been higher up in the esteem of the American people at one point, only to 10 or 20 years later Just be abuse so, it. so fallen and he so low? He got rid of This like, was America's crime. mayor. He mm-hmm. had cleaned up New York. Yep. He had 9/11. made New York livable again. Yep. He got us through 9-11. I mean, he was... He, his approval ratings, you know, at one point were in the 80s, 90s percent. He was he was one of the most popular politicians we ever had in America. And today he is a broke and broken man. He's a punchline. I mean, look, they'll never collect the money out of him, but they'll bankrupt him. And, and, and maybe that needs to happen because this little sideshow needs to end. Yep. I mean, it's 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 really depressing. And I and I feel sorry for the people that have, like, looked up to him as some sort of beacon 
Um, I mean, it's just it's. But it's you know sad. what's sad? You've, we've alluded to it here, but even to this day, when I talk to people, when we talk to people about solutions of crime and and you know examples of where this has worked, Giuliani's name still comes up and what happened in New York, and they know yeah. how much safer he made it. So mm-hmm. it's it really is sad. And I don't know. I was talking about this during the break. Um, I don't know if you saw or how many people out there saw the Borat movie, the, the second one where he was featured in the hotel room. And he's 76 years old at the time when this was filmed a few years ago. He's lying on the back in this hotel room in bed and he's starting to untuck his shirt. There's this woman in here and Borat runs in and says, she's 15. She's too old for you. And they totally punked him. I mean, <laughs> the way that they pulled this off is really incredible because, you know, he was hiding in this hotel room and they just surprised him. But how many people really saw that movie? I bring it up because that's one of the most humiliating I things mean, I've seen wow. of a public official. Creepy. And let's face yeah. it, there have been a lot of humiliating things. Um, yeah. So I, I don't just, know about Rudy. It's sad because, you know what, I, I agree with you on the, the way that he cleaned up New York City. Yeah. I would walk alone in Times Square mm-hmm. right now. Um, more than I would walk in the city of St. Louis during the day. Yeah, it was the broken window syndrome that we all learned. Yeah. Based on what he had done to New York on how to clean up a city that's riddled with crime. Yep. And we're, and we're certainly not following the lead, and that's, you know, and that's a shame. All right. On to other mayors. Let's talk about the mayor of Boston who decided to send an email out a couple of days ago. One of her uh, staffers saying, hey, welcome to the um, No Whiteys Allowed Christmas Party. Then the mayor, Michelle Wu, had to apologize. She's Asian. Given some of the strife that exists, though, in this council, are you concerned this lends itself at all to further divisiveness? No, I mean, um, again, this is a, a, a group that has been in place for many, many years. We want to be a city where everyone's identity is embraced. and Everyone except if you're white. I as mean, long as you're not white. If you're white, then we don't want to embrace you. But if you're any other color... She didn't then... apologize. No, no of course she did didn't apologize. apologize. So, Thank you, Jane, for pointing that out. Greg and I are aware of that, her, right? Her answer I, to discrimination is more discrimination. I, I would just like to point out my favorite part about this whole story is that she is married to a white man, so she will allow whites in her bed, but not in her holiday parties. <laughs> okay, just so you all <laughs> know, you this is not new, and this has been going on right, the, for years. The group, we hear this group. So does that make it right? Not that it makes it right, but because, and I'll give you an example, the Black Caucus in Jefferson City will get invited to things because they were such a small caucus when it started years ago. But it does still happen, and it's one of those things where if you're an elected official— Now, the Black Caucus in Jefferson City also keeps out anyone who happens to be a Republican, so it's really just a Black Democrat caucus. Shemed was in there. No, they wouldn't let Shemed in. And oh. if they did, they kicked him out shortly thereafter. There, there no, are no I, Republicans think, I don't in there. He was in, was in it. He was. If he was in there, it was very briefly, and then well, he, he got kicked out. Yeah. No, he didn't. And, get and, and out. the CBC in Washington D.C. does the same thing. Okay, Tim, but he was kind Tim's, of a Demi- he was kind of a Democrat anyway. Tim's, I mean, the, fair. <laughs> Tim Scott was never let in in D.C. But I mean, like you're the mayor, though. You're the executive, and you're the one do. I mean, I, you know, if you want to have a caucus, like you know, everybody's got a caucus now. Whatever. You know, do your caucus. I, nobody cares about that. But when you're the mayor and and you're supposedly reaching out to elected officials and not, I mean, it is it is so low rent. And I think people are getting tired of answering it's discrimination exhausting. with more exhausting. discrimination. It's it is exhausting. Uh, they fired Craig Berube this week after mm. the game against Detroit Tuesday. Beloved chief and. It's interesting. This one's different than a lot. I think Mike Schilt, when he was fired, the fans were caught off guard. That was very unexpected, and there was a lot of defense of, of Mike Schilt, certainly. But with Craig Ruby, obviously he helped win the, the Stanley Cup, came in in an amazing fashion. The team is challenged. There's no doubt about that. But the fan response, Jane, has been interesting because nobody blaming him for this right now, it doesn't seem. No, and, it, you know, it's interesting because, I mean, I I think the reaction to his firing has been a lot more vociferous than in, in, than it was defending Mike Matheny or Schilt or whoever. Um, 
And I think people believe that, look, he's not the one who put this team together. And I think people see the difference um, in, you know, what's a coaching issue and what's a, you know, putting putting a team on the issue, making the trades, deciding sort of what the chemistry of this team ought to be. And um, a lot of people don't see that as his problem. Um, so, I mean, we have to move forward because yep. it isn't changing. And I feel a little sorry. I'm, I'm probably a minority on this, but I feel sorry for Cairo. I think... He, I think he really. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because Jordan Cairo was he was booed last night, right? He was booed by the fans, which broke my heart. Look, I you know what he can handle it, and you know he's got a sixty million dollar contract. There's a reason that they booed him, and maybe that sunk in just a little bit because maybe it did. But I but I also think that I I believed him when he said, "Look, I'm just trying to move forward." He does. I think he just didn't want to get into the heated debate about whether the coach should have been fired. I, 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 that's how I took But the focus comments. is on effort. And, and, and are you putting effort out? Well, that's you, a whole if different you, If you listen to Braden Shane, you listen to the players, and it, are people giving the effort for Craig Berube that they would for somebody else? It seems like some of them were not. And whatever reason that is, and it would, did Doug Armstrong make the wrong decision? Maybe not, because he he's the I guy we'll that's got it. Right, but right. It, it it was and fascinating. maybe this will scare him. I mean, maybe yeah. if that's what it was, if it's, if it is solely an effort issue, and I, but I don't think people were booing him, but Jordan Kyra because of his effort, he's been struggling. But I don't think it's because of effort. I think they it's booed not him because, because of, of his effort. comment. Right? No, no, no. I understand that, but that all kind of ties in with effort with and the problem. Yes, with, because if you listen to Braden Shen, you listen to what. Chief had said when he was the coach, there were guys that there were guys on board and guys that weren't on board, and that's what happens. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have everyone buying into the system, then the team's not. Which gonna I be agree, effective. but I also see where a player doesn't want to get into a, a discussion about what should happen with the coach because yeah. he's he's stuck with who he's stuck with, and mm-hmm. he's got to you know do the best he can. That was my only thought on on him. But and the couple people I asked about the firing said, you know, um, it's sad, but you got to move on. It's it's a sport. You got to get somebody in there, and then we're gonna win. Well, and here's one thing I think we can all say: is Craig Ruby is going to be Craig Ruby is going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> right? He got, is. He's got millions. He's won a Stanley Cup. He'll go on and he'll get another coaching job. I think we heard and that. And then from, he'll beat us, probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. That's, Which no. I just no. I mean, when it no. does. I mean, it I does bet you're right. Me. It oh. does worry me. You know. I mean, um, you know. I mean, I, I'm agreeing with making changes, and I hope this guy is ready for. Because sometimes, well, people... this is an interim coach manager. I mean, right. I, they're probably going to go and, and hire someone else, but we'll see. Maybe we'll see what happens there. Listen, gang. This was the uh, the last read and roundtable that I would participate in because I'm not going to be here next Friday. Fred might just call the whole thing off for next week, and then we're going to do a best of uh, the following week. But everyone have a great Christmas. Jane, it was awesome throughout the year, even though we disagree on so much. It's a great time on the roundtable. You've it been is. here, what? I, I wish we had an exact date. It's probably been 13 years at this point, right? Almost, it's, wow. it's been a decade at it, least. Yeah, at least a decade. Keller, know, good I to see you. you and too. Donna Berenger as well. Thank you so much for coming in this afternoon. Thank and you. Uh, you guys have a great holiday, and we'll see you soon. So thank you. We're going to wrap it up for a roundtable on a Friday, get into a bunch more stuff. we got a lot to come, including Sue's News in the Next Hour, Paul Hall on entertainment. And in the, um, well, I guess about an hour from now, we'll get Cusimano's take on all this stuff with the Blues and the Dodgers have picked up another pitcher. We'll talk about the Cardinals targeting some relief help. And, of course, we have the, well, we'll talk maybe a little bit about this next week, too, but Missoula, Illinois is a week from tonight. Costas is going to join us in the next hour. Bob Costas helping us out with our Tree of Hope campaign for SSM Health, Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital. We want to see you at the Trivia Night on January 5th. And Tim Summer, my friend, music journalist, former record executive, who has a great story about you 2 when they were like, the Edge and Bono were like 18 and 19, and Tim was too. And then I'm going to talk about my experience at Fear in Las Vegas, seeing you two a week ago tonight. And I had mixed feelings on that, in case you missed my comments yesterday. We'll get to that in the 5 o'clock hour. Get more at 971talk.com. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 